0: Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. The quality of being kind and understanding and not selfish is the quality of being generous. And as we hear in this PDPW podcast from our guest, Tom Thibodeau, generous people understand what they have as a gift and can become contagious. Here's Tom with this week's podcast on generosity. Well, Bill, maybe more than other times of the year, we think about generosity, not just the material gifts and products. We think about the generosity of spirit, the kindness, the love, the forgiveness, the patience, the endurance that we see in the lives of others. Generosity is the quality of being willing to share. It is the willingness to give. Generosity is the felt experience of kindness. It is to be magnanimous, or as Aristotle would say, great-souled. Generosity names not merely something we do, but is an admirable quality of character. It's who we are. Undergirding the character of a truly generous people is an awareness of themselves, others, and God's gracious provision for the whole world. And this understanding inspires genuinely generous activity. We become generous the same way we become good in other ways through sound habits and healthy self-adjustments. I've always regretted being too harsh with others. And I've known it after I've said or done something that was harsh or impolite. But I have never regretted being too generous. And I think as we move along in our understanding of other people and ourselves, we are much more likely to extend compassion and second chances to others, to have a generous spirit so they, like ourselves, can grow. Don't we all grow from our mistakes? Haven't we all been beneficiaries of a second chance, of someone's generous patience with us? The moral imperative is, to whom much has been given, much will be required. A generous person understands that they have been blessed enormously. A generous person understands that whatever they have is gift. Certainly they may have worked, they may have produced material wealth, but they also understand that opportunity, second chances, education, and sometimes just good luck has put us in positions where we benefit from the generosity of our work and certainly that of others. Generosity is the cornerstone virtue of servant leadership. It is a generosity of spirit, which has been nurtured and cultivated for a lifetime, which shapes who we are and who we are committed to. A generous person naturally engages in acts of generosity. A generosity of spirit enlarges our imagination of what generosity entails and the breadth of its influence on our words and actions. In this way, generosity is a source of hope many companies or different organizations will do their uh, be previous the pandemic would have their conferences at the ritz carlton in their area or region of the country why because ritz carlton is held up as an extraordinary example of service a generosity of service if you will uh, at ritz carlton every shift begins with the staff coming together and repeating to each other, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. There is a story told in the Fitzcarlton tradition where a gentleman comes up to the front desk and says, Listen, um, is there a men's store on the street? Is there a men's store in your, uh, in your gift department? here? I need to buy a tie. And the man at, behind the desk at, at the Ritz-Carlton says, no, sir, there's no stores open and our gift shop does not carry ties, but please sit down and have a cup of coffee. He said, I don't need a cup of coffee. I just told you I need a tie. I understand, sir, but have a cup of coffee and, and just wait for a few moments. I think I'm able to help you. So the man takes a cup of coffee reluctantly and sits down. And the manager goes back into the room where he's with his co-workers and he asked them for their ties. They all take their ties off. The manager goes out to the gentleman, has three different kinds of ties. says, what would you like? Said, well, that uh, red and blue one, um, uh, I think it will work. He said, well, here, take it. Um, you, you use it for your interview. Oh, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, i was so stressed out. He forgot my tie, and it's my interview for this job that I really want, and I didn't have a tie, and I didn't know what to do. Thank you so very much. Then he looks up and said, listen, I'm I'm sorry. I, I I didn't even stay at your hotel last night. And the manager smiles and says, I know, but maybe one day you will. And you begin to recognize that it's a generosity of spirit that really becomes contagious. It really becomes inviting. Who does not want to respond in kind to that kind of generosity? So I was staying at Ritz-Carlton myself, and I'm talking to a a, a woman who was serving me. And I said, is is this true? Did did you do this? And she said, yes, it is. Well, the next day after I got done speaking, I had to rush out of the ballroom and down the stairs in order to catch my my flight back to Minneapolis. As I'm walking, the woman said, well, aren't you going to stay for lunch? I said, well, I, I can't. I have to catch a flight. She said, well, you haven't had any lunch. I said, I, I know, but I'll, I'll get something at the airport. She said, here, just, just wait. I'll tell valet to get a, a cab for you, and while you're waiting for the cab, I'll make sure I have a lunch prepared. So she said, I'll get a few things so you have something to eat on the way to the airport. So she comes out about uh, three minutes later, and she has a brown paper bag, the kind that has handles on it, a real nice, sturdy brown paper bag. and says, here, sir, enjoy your flight home. I said, well, thank you so very much for your kindness and hospitality. We drive out to the airport, I pay for my cab, I get out, I can't go to security, so I sit down, and here I open up the bag, and here is a turkey club sandwich toasted with my favorite kind of potato chips, the sea salt and vinegar. Here's a wonderful oatmeal raisin cookie and an apple, a lovely lunch, a generous lunch. Ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, if I ever get an opportunity, I'm going to return to that Ritz-Carlton because of the way in which I was treated with complete dignity and respect. Well, we know that to be true. It's the generosity of spirit, not just the materiality that brings us back. A practical example is that today in every community in our nation, in every community in our nation, We are seeing Giving Trees, Food Drives, Toys for Tots, GoFundMe pages for survivors of tragedy and natural disasters. But more significantly, we have witnessed, particularly these last 20 months, the generosity of spirit, the spirit of health care providers, teachers, EMTs, police officers, firefighters, and farmers people choosing to go above and beyond for their families, neighbors, co-workers, and communities, all generous spirits of compassion, competence, and commitment. This is a sign of hope. Here in Wisconsin, we witnessed a terrible act of violence in Waukesha. Maybe you saw that in the news, but a A man drove recklessly through a Christmas parade. People were killed and many injured. Firefighters and police officers and first responders and nurses and fellow citizens responded to the carnage. It was terrible. But we also saw the next day the generous spirits of people like J.J. Watt, former University of Wisconsin football player, who came back to the community, his Waukesha community, offering to pay funeral expenses for anyone who had died. And countless of citizens who by their generosity said to our brothers and sisters of Waukesha, you do not suffer alone. Yes, their tragedy, terrible evil, but it was smothered by the goodness and generosity of other people who said our true nature is to give back to each other, to protect each other in a spirit of generosity. Generosity was a word that once meant of noble birth. It used to be associated with members of the aristocracy, who by virtue of their privilege were expected to show generosity towards those in lesser standings. Oftentimes you would hear um, that phrase, those who eat high off the hog, well, it was the people who lived in aristocracy. People of privilege got the better cuts of meat. And that's why those of us who come from ethnic traditions who make great sausages they learned how to take the other parts of the, of the animal and create sausage and tasty food for ourselves. Isn't it rather interesting? A generosity of imagination came from having very little. Well, today leaders have the privilege of leading and serving others. They too have the same moral obligation to lead with a generous heart and to be guided by a nobility of the mind to think better of others and the work that they do. I'd like to offer, if I can, six ways in which we might cultivate a spirit of generosity. One, to understand that generosity is a gift of self. It's a gift of self. When I was in graduate school in in Seattle, Washington in the 1970s, I used to go out for a beer every once in a while and play a little pool and meet people in the neighborhood. And one night I met a man who was limping around the pool table, and pretty soon after the game, we had just started, I realized the only balls left on the table were my own. And he walked up, and he said, Hi, my name's Bud. I said, Hi, Bud, my name's Tom. Good to meet you, Tom. He said, You come here often? I said, Well, no, every once in a while, just to get away from the campus, have a beer. He said, Well, I come up here two, three times a week. My wife died, my son's moved away. You see I limp around the table. He said, I worked at a cement company and my hip got crushed and so I can't work any longer. So I come up here for a little bit of a social life. He said, "Uh, say, Tom, can you cook a turkey? No, I said, well, yeah, I can cook a turkey. He said, what are you doing on Sunday? I said, nothing. He said, why don't you come into my house and cook a turkey? He said, I got injured. And the company gave me a turkey last year at Easter, and I, well, I'd like to get it out of my freezer. I said, well, i will be happy to. So he wrote down his, his address for me, and one Sunday morning, I got up, and I walk in the inner city of Seattle, and I knock on the screen door that I was afraid might come off the hinges. Hey, bud, come on in, he said. So I came in, and there he was watching speedboat races on Lake Washington. Had an older friend with him, and had a young mother and her child were also watching speedboat races. And they said, the turkey's in the kitchen, Tom. Well, I walked into that kitchen. His wife had died two years previously, and I don't think anybody had really kind of really cleaned that kitchen in two years. So here I am cleaning up the kitchen of a gentleman that I met shooting pool at a neighborhood tavern. I took the turkey out. I got it ready. I put it in the oven, and then I went to put the oven, close the oven door, and it came off in my hand. I took it, and I jimmied it around, and I got it back on, and I put a stool up against the, the, the oven door, and I said, hey, Bud, I'm going to be gone for a couple of hours. I listen to, to jazz in the park while the turkey cooks. I'll be back to, to, to prepare it. So I, I, I came back about three hours later, and the house was filled with people. They were tall people, they were short people, they were old people, they were young people. there were people of every different race in, in that whole neighborhood. These are people that Bud knew. And he invited them all over for a turkey dinner and people came with their small treasures and styrofoam cups and there was pistachio pudding and there was potato salad and there was coleslaw and there was jello everybody contributed to this marvelous feast and there i was cutting off turkey for all god's children gathered in bud's house and i looked at bud who was beaming and i said you know bud this is really great this is really generous and he looked at me and he said with a smile, the one thing that I remember from graduate school or 40 years ago is this. When you ain't got much, Tom, you give yourself. When you ain't got much, you give yourself. To nurture a spirit of generosity is the gift of self. Two, share and be generous with the gift of appreciation. Do you realize that each of us needs Five comments of appreciation to everyone, a criticism. If it's one-to-one criticism to appreciation, uh, the relationship dies. In In understanding that in organizations, in companies, in families, where there's a great deal of appreciation, there's much more engagement. Appreciation is jet fuel for the emotions. Who is it that doesn't need to be appreciated? Who is it that doesn't need to be affirmed or to be recognized? I was one time working with a group of leaders, and one of the gentlemen there owned a plumbing company, and he said the most significant thing he would do, Friday afternoons, the last thing he would do, he would sit down and write a handwritten letter to one of his plumbers telling them how much he appreciated them and the good work that they had done uh, in the previous month. And he recall the projects they were on, the difficult, dirty work that sometimes they undertook, and then he would send the letter, handwritten address to the man's family we well, can imagine he'd get home from work and there his wife would have a letter here's a letter from your boss handwritten and of course he'd have to open it up and of course what would every wife or every you know member of the family should read it to us and there he would read this letter of appreciation that his boss the owner of the company had sent him well the gentleman said we'd have retirement parties for anybody who worked for us over 20 years and I never never really believed it until I saw it, but people came and they had every letter I've ever sent. Letters of appreciation show a generosity of spirit, a concern for other human beings that we are all hungry to receive. Third, generosity is best when it's anonymous. Not having me recognized for what we give, I work at a little soup kitchen here in La Crosse called The Place of Grace, and for 25 years, it's not unusual to come in at our door. There'll be bags of homemade scarves and mittens at this time of the year. A week ago, I walked over, and it was a cold morning, and there was a box of venison. Somebody had gotten their deer and had it ground up and given it to us. Be anonymous. Every year, CBS, news with the help of steve hartman who looks for good stories in america works with a man who's called secret santa and secret santa gives steve hartman sometimes a hundred dollar bills or sometimes last year thousand dollar checks and then has researched in terms of people in different parts of the country bus drivers and clerks waitresses and restaurants custodians and steve hartman on behalf of secret santa makes someone's Christmas, changes their lives by an anonymous gift. And people said, who can I say thank you to? Who can I write to? And he said, your gratitude is best shown in the way in which you serve others each and every day. Four, to be generous with our forgiveness, love is forgiving. Love is forgiving. So each of us might want to ask ourselves this holiday season, Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to be reconciled with? Yes, we know there's a lot of political division, but more significantly, think about the division and hurts in our own families. Think of the number of families that did not get together because of past hurts and past resentments. And you begin to recognize what Gandhi had said, an eye for an eye, and pretty soon the whole world is blind. We can be blinded by hurt, but what helps us to see more clearly is a generosity of spirit that is lavish with forgiveness. All of us sometime in the next month will either listen to or sing Silent Night. And that last last line of the first refrain, sleep in heavenly peace. Forgiveness is a requisite for peace in our lives and in our world. Five, be generous in giving your moral support for good causes and good people. We oftentimes take people's good work, their generous work for granted. Thank a farmer. Purchase something from a small family business. Reach out to an elder, a service person, a young person. I might not have much money, much material wealth, but can I not recognize the goodness of other people, ordinary citizens doing extraordinary work every day on our behalf? Am I willing to ask myself each and every day, am I giving enough to the people around me? A friend of mine who's a high school principal, when he was growing up, he would work on dairy farms during Christmas time, that families could get away, a farmer could get away for a couple of days with their own families, and he and his brother would come in and do morning milking and evening milking. And one night after having done evening milking, they're standing around the milk tank, and the grandpa of the farm had come over and was watching them. And when they got done, he said, "Boys, I want to tell you something. He said, I'll, I'll never forget what your dad and grandpa did for us so many years ago. And this is before you were born, he said. Uh, we had a barn fire, and we lost all our hay. And that summer was particularly difficult because it was a drought, and there wasn't much good hay that we had, and the hay that we could buy was not of good quality. One well, September, your dad and grandpa pulled up with a, a tr- trailer of the finest third crop hay I had seen. They said, your neighbor wants you to have this. He said, well, how much... How much do you want how much do you want for it? He said, no, well we don't not sell it to you. We want you to have it. He said it's been hard traveling for you this year. We know that, please here. Please accept this third crop." He, Grandpa's eyes watered with tears and he said, I'll, "I'll never forget their generosity." And then my friend, the high school principal, asked this question, "Am I willing to give other people? my best third crop hey? or am I keeping it for myself? That's that generosity of spirit that changes the world. And finally, be a cheerful giver and a grateful receiver. All of us are very good in terms of giving. Many times we want to give to other people, but receiving when other people think of us is oftentimes difficult. It's humbling. But it's a recognition that all of us have something to give, but I cannot give it. It does not become a gift until someone will receive it. It's rather sad right now. We don't give gifts more than we buy presents. And we buy presents, how often does somebody say to you, well, I've kept the receipt in case you want to return it, already kind of bracing themselves for the rejection that the person that they bought something for will not like it. But gifts are much different. They're received and they're cherished, appreciated. My mother uh, suffered from depression and she spent time in a psychiatric unit. My father would take us to go and visit her on Sundays. And this one particular Sunday, we went to visit my mother and she was happy, which was uh, uh, rather unusual because of depression. She suffered from sadness, but she had just been off for a walk with three other women at, in, that day. And one of the women had lived in that town and they went to visit her father, who was a widower. When he saw his daughter and her three friends, he was just so excited. He welcomed him into the house and said, I just baked some homemade oatmeal raisin cookies. And he ran in and he got a platter of his cookies and he came out and offered one to his daughter. And she said, oh, no, thanks, Dad. I just had lunch. Offered one to the second one. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm trying to watch my weight right now. Offered to a third woman. She said, no, really. I'm really trying to cut back. And my mother said she watched the man's face fall. And he said to her, would you like a cookie? She said, could I have two? And could I take two with me back to the hospital? And the gentleman was so delighted, he went back into his kitchen. He put two cookies in a napkin. And as she handed me the napkin, she said, son, always remember this. It's in giving that you receive. It's in receiving that you give. Isn't it extraordinary to give other people the joy of being generous by humbly and joyfully accepting what they have to offer. The measure we use will be measured back to us. That's Old Testament wisdom. The generosity that we share within the community always comes back to us, and the most generous givers understand that they receive so much more in return. So this holiday season, let us all make a commitment to cultivate a spirit of generosity. Good work, hard work, noble work, generous work, our work. Thank you, and have a very Merry Christmas. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a Distinguished Professor of Servant Leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, have a safe and productive week.